0: This case is a little bit different from the rest. Victims come in all different forms and from all different sides in cases, as we saw with last week's episode about Johnny Frank Garrett and his innocence. He maintained that innocence despite being given the death penalty for killing a nun and took it to the grave with him. This time, we are talking about the falsely accused or the wrongly convicted, This episode gives hope that the justice system is capable of righting its wrongs rather than forcing innocent people to pay the price for someone else's mistakes. This is the story of Adnan Syed, an innocent man released from prison over two decades after his conviction. Hello everyone. This is Catherine and you're listening to Murder and Mediumship. I just wanted to give a quick rundown of all the things going on before we jump into this episode. First of all, Intuitive Development 101 is starting on October 19th. That class will run from 1130 in the morning till about 1215, 1230 in the afternoon. Um, we meet six weeks in a row for one hour a week for those six weeks. We always have a conversation going on in the chat app called Boxer so that we can continue to communicate throughout the class and help each other with assignments and help each other in our spiritual journeys. Readings are also open. And by the way, the intuitive development class is a sliding skill basis. So if you feel like it's something you might not be able to afford, I bet it's more affordable than you think it is. As I was saying, readings are open and you can use code SPOOKYSEASON to get 15% off. Please continue to send in your stories of paranormal experiences. I am absolutely loving reading these. And also, don't forget that each month we do have an interview with someone on the other side or a special episode through Patreon. And those are also open now for enrollment. If you are looking for more of an intuitive development, like a 102 level thing, I am hosting monthly psychic circles that you can partake in from the Patreon app as well. Um, you sign up on Patreon and you can either choose the tier that has all of the fun things about murder and mediumship, or you can exclusively subscribe to the psychic circles. If you're hearing about it on here though, you probably want in on all of the true crime things and all Patreon tiers now come with access to Discord. I am so excited as I see all of the things that I can do and communicate with all of my listeners just through Discord and have this running conversation, and I'm really excited to continue to implement new ideas and fun things within that platform. So, if you're on Patreon but you haven't joined in on the Discord conversation, head to our Patreon page and go ahead and look right at the top. There's access to the Discord server from there. If you have questions, feel free to am- or feel free to answer them for me. I obviously have questions. If you have questions, feel free to ask, and I will try my best to help you get situated on there. Okay. And with that being said. We're going to get right into this. On January 13, 1999, Adnan Syed's ex-girlfriend Heyman Lee left school around 3 p.m. to pick her younger cousin up from daycare by 3.15, but she never made it there. By 6.30 p.m., police reached out to Adnan, who had said that the last time he had seen her was after classes ended at school and then reached out to her current boyfriend, Don, someone who worked at Lenscrafters with her. They got a hold of him around 1.30 in the morning, Who, and he had said that he had not seen her. And my understanding is that it took them until then to get a hold of him, despite numerous attempts. And if you guys want to hear more about the disappearance of Heyman Lee and how they found her, then please listen to the earlier episode that I did specifically about her. You can also check out a couple of podcasts that I will mention later on in the show and also link them in the show notes. We're going to go kind of briefly over what happened to Hay and then what Adnan's involvement was through the case over time, okay? So Adnan wasn't necessarily the first person police had reached out to either. They had been in contact with numerous friends of Hay's in an attempt to find her, including Asha Pittman, her best friend. I was even surprised to hear how quickly they accepted Hay as a missing person rather than just a misbehaved teenager. They were looking for her within hours of her disappearance, which I feel like on this show and all other true crime platforms, that's unheard of. When Officer Adcock arrived at the Lee residence, her brother handed her diary over, hoping that it would be of service to them. In that diary was a phone number that Young had assumed would be connected to her boyfriend, Don, but it in fact turned out to be her ex-boyfriend Adnan's phone number. Hay was supposed to pick her cousin up on the 13th, but her 1998 gray Nissan Sentra was also nowhere to be found that day. Property around Don's home was searched to no avail, and he was followed up with by another sergeant, Joe O'Shea. At this time, Don let them know that he was with Hay on the 12th, even though before he had not told them that and denied being with her, the evening before the day of her disappearance, and that she had got home from his house, which she had left around 10.30 at night. They were then on the phone until 3 a.m., Others that had been spoken to, police really didn't follow up with. They didn't follow up much with Don. They didn't check into his work and see where he was working or when he was working or if when he was going to show up to work or like anything like this. They left a lot of leads like just hanging loose in the wind. They didn't follow up on them. They took the word of people like Don without any follow-up investigation. And even after the information that was withheld, was slowly revealed as the investigation progressed, they still just took the word of a lot of people whose word probably shouldn't have been taken. Again, I want to say this just like I did in the Hayman Lee episode, I do not believe that Don had anything to do with this. On February 9th, 1999, Hay's body was found in Leakin Park, as we previously stated, a popular dumping ground for homicide victims. Remember, we're in Baltimore here, Okay. So this is somewhere where anti-snitch culture is huge, and police corruption is all too common, and crime is super high, and at this point it's believed that they're already looking for Adnan, but it's unclear. However, on February 12th, Baltimore City Police received an anonymous tip that pointed them in the direction of Adnan. The way in which Hayes' body was discovered is peculiar in and of itself. She was discovered by a man commonly referred to as Mr. S., Mr. S. was a groundskeeper at Coppin State University in Baltimore and was working on a project that he had already been working on, or at least aware of, that he had to do for a few days. But on this particular day, he decided that after eating his lunch, he needed to drive all the way home to his own home to pick up a plane, a tool for shaving down wood, because the school didn't have one on site and he wanted to get to work on that project that very day, though it seemed to be nothing of importance the other day's. This would have been a 15-minute drive for him just one way to get his plane and then a 15-minute drive back. However, Mr. S. decided to grab a 22-ounce Budweiser before returning to work, because what stellar employee doesn't do that when you work at a school, and it drank it on his way back. Before even consuming the whole thing, he pulled over, crossed a two-lane highway, and then walked over 100 feet into the park and went to relieve himself, which is when he found Hay's body sticking partially up out of the dirt. From there, he drove back to work and called the chief of security, who then called the police. Again, 1999, most people didn't have cell phones. Mr. S. showed the homicide detectives, Greg McGillivray and William Ritz, where he had found the body, which would soon be identified as that of Heyman Lee. She was buried parallel to a fallen tree near a stream on her right side, with her left arm bent at a 90-degree angle behind her back, possibly as it was held behind her back to keep her pinned down as she was killed. Her right arm laid underneath her head, bent at the elbow, with her forearm and hand pointing upward and sticking out of the dirt in leaves. There was a larger rock laying at the top of her arm, seemingly, to me at least, an effort to keep her arm buried beneath the soil. Intuitively, I feel like whoever left her here wasn't too concerned, as most who were from that area knew that it was a, knew that it was a huge dumping ground, not only. That, but po- excuse me, Baltimore police didn't have a great record for closing homicide cases. Hayes' brow was pulled up, leaving her breasts exposed and her skirt sat over her waist so that you could see her underwear and pantyhose. It would later be determined that she had been strangled to death by hand, but also had evidence of blood force trauma to the right back and right side of her head. Police did canvas the area and collect various pieces of what could have been evidence or could have been coincidentally nearby like a used condom, an empty liquor bottle, a section of clothesline, various feathers that had collected on the tree and she was par- that she was partially buried near. They also cast at the tire tracks that were nearby the scene. It would seem here that due diligence was being done as they were absolutely processing the crime scene, but the incredible injustices and failures of the police department came in the following days where witnesses were left unpursued, stories from others began to change with each with each passing day. And though she had evidence of blunt force trauma and manual strangulation, there were no signs of a struggle or that she fought back. Four days later, police requested phone records from AT&T for Adnan's cell phone. On February 28, 1999, Adnan was arrested by Baltimore City Police for the murder of Heyman Lee. At this time, he was 17 years old. I'm not going to get into the vast amount of details surrounding how it can almost be proven that the police bullied Adnan's friend, Jay Wilds into testifying against him that they be heard in interview tapes tapping on the table every time Jay starts to get confused or loses track of what he's clearly being coached to say. Jay had prior trouble with law enforcement, and I believe wholeheartedly that Jay was threatened by Baltimore Police, one of the United States' most notoriously corrupt police departments. If you don't believe that that kind of stuff happens, just start your a little bit of research. I am not talking conspiracy theories. I am talking regular news stories. That will show you corruption right there on the surface. Through a series of trials, mistrials, and appeals, Adnan was ultimately convicted of the murder of Hayman Lee and sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years at 17. He was denied bail during the trial, and this was because of the fact that they had an unsubstantiated fear that he would flee to Pakistan, where the U.S. would have no power to extradite him, and he was essentially the only suspect that police pursued to prove his guilt. They had other suspects. They just didn't pursue them. They wanted Adnan. The investigation was far from thorough. Notes were lost. Files were missing and destroyed. And Adnan was a Muslim boy at only 17 in a country where anti-Muslim rhetoric was already strong and only going to get stronger in 2001. Intuitively, the police used a person, and, and come on, not even just intuitively, but come on. The police used a person of color and the fear he had from the threats they made to pin the crime on an easy suspect, the ex-boyfriend. Their star witness was someone who was known to sell drugs and was known to be dishonest, and even had his story changed multiple times over the course of pretrial, the trial itself, and in the years following the trial. If you want to hear more detailed accounts of the trial against Adnan, please listen to Season 1 of Serial and the Undisclosed podcast. I highly recommend both. For more thorough coverage of the murder of Heyman Lee, listen to season one of Murderish. I don't need to redo what other people have already done. Incredibly, I just want to give you an update on what's going on. So following his conviction, his appeal journey began in 2003. Still maintaining his innocence without getting into too much detail, his lawyer, Christina Gutierrez, had failed to investigate a crucial alibi witness, Asia McLean, who could place Adnan in the library at the time the prosecution alleged that Adnan was actually in the process of killing Hay. In 2010, Adnan sought post-conviction relief because of this. It was not granted. Gutierrez's actions were categorized as strategy rather than incompetence. Again, check out Undisclosed and Serial and decide that for yourself. She would later be disbarred, I believe in 2000 or 2001, for basically being a terrible attorney. She had a lot of different clients complain about her. A lot of people say she wasn't using uh, witnesses correctly. She wasn't doing the best at her job. Her health was failing, so she probably couldn't even be fully present in her job. And she let a lot of people down for it. So 2010, his post-conviction relief was denied. The next appeal was denied in 2014, where his journey continued in February of 2015. The, Mar- the Maryland Court of Special Appeals approved his application for permission to appeal for a potential hearing on the admissibility of Asia McLean's testimony. His case was remanded to Maryland Court of Special Appeals in May on May 18th of 2015, and on August 24th of that year, his attorney, C. Justin Brown, filed a motion that essentially would show that the cell tower evidence used by prosecution was misleading and never should have been used. It seemed as if things were kind of starting to look up for Adnan when Baltimore City Circuit Court Judge Martin Welch ordered post-conviction relief proceedings to determine his eligibility for a new trial. This hearing began on February 3rd, 2016, and it lasted for five days. Asian McLean was finally able to testify. And there's a lot of back and forth over the next few years, all the while Adnan sat in prison. In 2018, the highest court in the state of Maryland, the Maryland Court of Appeals, reversed the findings of the lower courts and denied the request for a new trial. He had made it, so far, just a backside. His appeal then went to the Supreme Court of the United States in November of 2019, which ultimately rejected his request for a new trial, citing that they were confident in the overwhelming evidence that convicted him. As an aside, Christina Gutierrez was in fact disbarred in 2001. Just to, just to make sure you guys have the right date there, and the court still called her withholding of testimony quote strategy. However, on September 19th, 2022, almost a month ago now, Judge Melissa Finn of Baltimore City Circuit Court vacated Adnan's conviction in the interest of justice and fairness citing the prosecution's failure to turn evidence over that could have helped Adnan at trial and that new evidence had been discovered that could have affected the outcome of his case had it been used or known at the time by the defense. Adnan is on home detention, out of prison as of September 19th, during the 30-day window that prosecutors have to determine whether or not they'll proceed with a new trial or drop the charges altogether. According to the New York Times, prosecutors have found two alternative suspects, though they have not been identified publicly, nor have they been charged. Minutes went by before Adnan stood free from his chains on the courthouse steps, offering only a wave and a smile before getting into the back of an SUV and going home. Over two decades later. He's still not off yet, though. According to Marilyn Mosby, the state's attorney for Baltimore City, they were waiting on DNA evidence that could help in determining whether or not they would dismiss charges or proceed with a new trial. In 2021, Mosby's office was brought Adnan's case after a new law was adopted by Maryland that allowed people convicted of crimes as juveniles to request their sentences be modified after serving 20 years of their sentence in prison. This request is not exactly what got him out, though. This is just, it's mind-blowing to me. After they received this case, while this request is what brought it to Mosby's office, she found through her digging that there was more evidence that they had already had, that the defense never got a hold of, that prosecution never turned over. And with considering all of this, Prosecutors are required to turn everything they have over to defense and vice versa, and most of this information was available to prosecution, just not turned over to the defense, which could constitute what's known as a Brady violation, and therefore could be grounds to vacate his conviction in and of itself. According to the New York Times article that I obviously will link in the show notes that gave me most of the information about what has been happening since he was released from prison and what we can expect. I'd like to really wrap with something that I read from it directly, and this is a quote from that article. Mr. Syed's conviction rests on the evolving narrative of an incentivized, cooperating 19-year-old co-defendant, Jay, propped up by inaccurate and misleading cell phone location data. This was so in 1999 when Mr. Syed was a 17-year-old child. It remains so today. In other words, they knew it was BS at the time and someone's finally standing up for it. It's so huge and so, so true. The whole investigation was corrupt, and I already said in Hay's episode that I thought Adnan didn't do it, number one, and number two, I thought he would be released on these charges at one point or another. Hay is absolutely a victim here, and so is her family, but so is Adnan, and so is his family. I don't believe that he will spend the rest of his life in prison. I don't see him going back for the rest of his life for the murder of Heyman Lee. I understand how awful her family must feel, but the system didn't do her justice, nor did it do Adnan justice. I hope that my intuition pans out here, because I don't see him ever going back to serve the rest of his sentence, and I hope that Hay's family and Hay also get the justice that they so deserve. There are only days left until prosecutors have to announce their decision to proceed and dismiss charges. We will see very soon what comes of this for Adnan. As always, thank you for showing up for another episode of Murder and Mediumship, and don't forget to come back Wednesday for another segment of the Comfort.